being a trauma-informed teacher is not a one-size-fits-all. Like mm. everybody will be different, will have their, their own style, and you can adjust it as long as you're addressing the trauma that the student has and you're able to create uh, a specific way in which you do things. Um, every teacher will have that way in which they'll do things that relates to who they are as a person. So being trauma-informed, at least for me, is not a specific set way. Yes, there are strategies and yes, there are tools that you'll be able to use. But if you adjust those to who you are and what your personality is and how your classroom is run, then you should be able to address all of those behaviors and all of those things that come up during the class time. And it'll be a safe and positive environment. Welcome to Through the Eyes of Trauma, an inner ear agency production, where we engage in discussions regarding the impact that childhood trauma has on education, life, and living. This podcast seeks to help listeners realize the widespread impact of trauma, recognize how it is impacting the students, adults, and families, respond in a way that facilitates healing, and to actively resist re-traumatization. Join us as we tackle the hard conversations, but give tools and strategies to help you cope and begin your journey towards regulation by healing first and educating always. To receive professional development, consulting, and childhood trauma intervention services, please visit us at innerearagency.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-E-A-R-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. Let's get into the conversation. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Through the Eyes of Trauma, where we explore the transformative impact of trauma-informed practices. I'm so glad to be back this week. Um, It was a tough week last week, but we're starting a new week on episode two, season three. And our topic this week is creating safe and nurturing learning environments. Our essential question is, how can educators cultivate safe and nurturing learning environments through trauma-informed practices? And my guest today is an educator, Samuel Velasquez, who is a teacher in a large urban school district. And I'm so glad that he's here to join us to tell us all about trauma-informed practices in his classroom and creating a nurturing learning environment. So welcome, Samuel Velasquez. Hi, and thank you for having me. Um, as you said, I'm an educator with six plus years in education in a large urban district and multiple grade levels. And I'm glad to be here to talk about how I created a safe and nurturing environment in my classrooms. I'm so glad to have you here because you just said that you were in multiple grade levels, which I think is beneficial at times because you get to see a lot of different personalities mm-hmm. of different age levels. And so it helps you to be multifaceted when you're trying to create this learning environment where you're you're building trust and stuff with kids. And so I love that you were in uh, multiple grade levels. So let's get into the conversation. I want us to really, really engage in an in-depth conversation about your journey in cultivating a nurturing learning environment. So let's start there. How is it that you were able to create this learning environment and what made you, what motivates you to start this? Like what said, you know what, I need to do something different. You know, I've seen a lot of things. I know coming in as a new teacher um, six years ago, you probably saw a lot of different ways that teachers engaged with their students and the environments that they created. But what made you say, I need to create a nurturing learning environment for my students? 
Um, well, as you said, one of the things was when I was a brand new teacher, year one, um, you know, you're learning how to do classroom management and all that stuff with your students. And you kind of start picking up stuff that other teachers use and are beneficial to them. And you kind of adjust them to your style. Um, with that said, I saw that my students were having issues that were not in school related or stuff that was happening outside of school. And that stuff was being brought into the campus, into the schools. Um, so we started creating ways in which uh, the students could use their time in school to express what they needed to express and being able to get into the learning, but dealing with those traumas that were happening outside of the school in a way that was positive and that could change the direction that the situation was going into. That's awesome. So I heard you say that they were bringing in, you know, things outside of school into the school building. So knowing that, like it's things that you're not necessarily trained on, right? Because as an educator, we're taught how to teach them how to read, right? Do multiplication, but we're not really giving those given those tools and those resources to help students who are dealing with issues and experiences outside of school. And so what obstacles did you face when you had to do that? Uh, one of the obstacles that I first encountered was how do I address the situation? Because mm -hmm. from one perspective, you're the teacher, you're an outsider to the situation. Mm -hmm. um, secondly is after you address it, how can I redirect this in a positive manner where the student is expressing themselves, is doing the work, and is being able to deal with the trauma in order for them to be able to feel safe in the school and be able to learn. I get that. And I, I was talking last week to um, a principal who has trauma-informed practices in her school, and we discussed how sometimes it's hard to get teachers on board, right, to get on board with you know, looking at behavior through a different lens and not necessarily looking at it as, you know, you, you have this behavior, I'm going to give you this consequence, but I was actually looking at behavior through compassion and not judgment. And so we talked about how it's difficult to get teachers on board, but it seems like you are one wanting to enact that in your classroom just because of the things that your students face. And a lot of times, like um, this one educational technology company, I know they say that students carry more than just backpacks to school. Mm -hmm. And that resonated with me because that seems to be like, what are you, what you're talking about? Your students are carrying all of these things to school, but it has nothing to do with actually being in school. So what specific strategies or activities or even routines did you do in your classroom to, to let the students know, you know what, this is a safe learning environment where you'll be nurtured and you're not going to be judged based on the experiences that you've had outside of school. So one of the strategies that we did uh, one year was doing journals for the students. Each student had their own journals mm -hmm. and they would sit when they arrived in the morning while they were waiting uh, for breakfast or for class to start. They would have a question that would address like emotions or um, something that was not academic. Um, mm -hmm. And they would write down, they could draw, they could use the journal however they wanted. But it was mainly for them to express themselves and just... Uh, get their emotions out and be able to relate it in a format that would help them out. Because um, some of our students sometimes have, don't have the vocabulary or the mm -hmm. way to express it. Um, and sometimes using a notebook to draw or stuff like that, or being able to speak about it with a friend 
um, were ways that we used. Also, morning meetings was another way that we used a lot in our campus. Um, and I know it was a little hard at the beginning for teachers to buy into it, but mm -hmm. we saw how it positively impacted the day. Because when you start the day in a safe and positive manner, the rest of the day will go as smoothly as can be. There will be stuff mm -hmm. that happening, of course, uh, as a school. But pretty much when you set the tone with the first few minutes of the day, um, the students are able to feel safe and like drop their guard and be able to get into the learning. Mm -hmm. I love that because you know what, with, with students, routine equals safety. If they know, I know what to expect from day to day, you know, now some things will not necessarily go as planned, right? But if they have a routine that they follow on a day to day basis, that symbolizes um, safety for them because a lot of kids, especially if they've experienced a lot of trauma, they're not in a stable situation. So, so their day to day at home is up and down. They don't know what to expect, but when you provide that routine for them in a classroom that equals, okay, I know what's going to happen today. And I know that when these things happen and I have somebody there that I can talk to that nurturing buffering, uh, relationship with an adult in the classroom, that'll help me throughout the day if something arises that throws off the routine. Right. And I like the way you talked about giving them the vocabulary and giving them the language, because a lot of times students don't have um, a word to describe how they're feeling. Right. So giving them those tools and giving them those resources to be able to say, you know what, I feel this way. And when I feel this way, these are the sensations I have in my body. You know, just giving them that trauma sensitive language and that communication so that they can be able to talk to you and know what they're talking about when they're expressing to you how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And so how do you as the, the trauma informed educator in the room, right, how do you use the use of language that is non judgmental or empathetic to kind of secure the relationship? between you and the student? Um, so with the language, we use it in multiple ways. We use it first, depending on the grade level. So mm -hmm. when you have multiple grade levels, the lower the grade is, um, you usually have to use like visuals or images for them to be able to relate to that. And mm -hmm. then as you go up in grade levels, then you can start introducing more words. Um, and using words, uh, First, you have to create that environment that is non-judgmental. Non mm -hmm. So pretty much setting the tone that mistakes happen in the classroom, mistakes are embraced, um, and the students are able to use and develop their voice is super important. And then you start adding the vocabulary there so they can be able to express completely how they're feeling. I love that you said that the students are able to use their voice, right? That is empowering in and of itself mm -hmm. because you're allowing them to, to speak and have, um, to, to have rule over the air. Like I like to, you know, where when teachers share the air and they're not the only ones doing a talking in the classroom, right? The students have voice choice and ownership and are able to say, you know, this is what I want to say. This is what I want you to know about me. This is what I, how I know, want you to know that I'm feeling at this moment. And it also allows trauma-informed educators or even educators, period, to just be mindful of their words, right, when they're speaking to students and how they can affect a student's emotions and their feelings of safety and communication by the way they speak to them or the, by the way they allow them to speak up for themselves and then how they respond to students. And so, can you tell me, I just want you to tell me about a time or a, a heartening story that you have where there was a, an amount of student growth 
in and of themselves, just because, you know, they came from a different environment. They were clearly had experiences of trauma and maybe neglect or just toxic stress in their lives. Because I know you um, teach in an area where there's, you know, low SES or students are coming from different countries and just a lot of different things. And so can you tell us about a time when you had a student to come to your classroom and because of the learning environment that you've created for them, they came out of their shell or, you know, they, you saw a great transformation in them? Of course. Um, so in our campus, we have students that uh, come from different parts of the country. So we have students that are from either Central America, from Latin America, uh, the Caribbean, or different other places. And they're introduced into a new way of education and are kind of basically thrown into it and expected to perform at a level that each other students that have been there uh, are performing at. Um, I had a student one time that did not speak the language at all. Um, she was basically pretty brand new to the country and mm -hmm. she started understanding the language and picking it up and started being able to learn because she was comfortable with the group that she was placed in. So mm -hmm. she was able to kind of, uh, put her guard down, uh, because of the relationships, the relationships she started making with the group as well as with me. And we were able to get her to as close to grade level as possible. And she demonstrated a lot of growth throughout the year because she saw that we were able to make mistakes, that she could be a part of the learning, even if she didn't understand the language, um, that there were methods that she could communicate and let us know uh, what she was learning with mm. uh, visuals, with different ways. And ultimately, we created a relationship in order for her to grow and created a plan with uh, her, the academic parts. That's awesome. So you talked about, you know, creating that, that relationship with her, with the student, right? When you, when you create these environments that support emotional regulation, how do you, what strategy would you tell a teacher? So you have a new teacher who's coming in and you, they're like, I don't know what it means to be trauma informed. I don't even know what it means to create this environment, this nurture and learn environment that you speak of. What strategies would you tell someone to use or how would you tell them to create this environment that not only where you're finding or you're giving them emotional regulation support, but you're minimizing triggers that they may have just by being trauma affected? So creating the safe the safe learning environment starts at the door. Um, mm -hmm. Greeting your students, greeting them with a smile, greeting them with a handshake, um, or however they want to be greeted, uh, starts there. Uh, making sure that they have their needs. Um, one of the things that I'm always aware of is uh, Maslow before Bloom. Um, mm -hmm. You have to make sure that the students' needs are met before uh, the learning starts. So pretty much being able to create that environment. Did you have breakfast at home? Did you grab breakfast from the cafeteria? Um, something as simple as a name label on a desk creates a sense of belonging to the student. Mm. So being able to see your name on a desk and this is my place is something important that start creating that safe learning environment. Um, also, as an educator, we tend to be a little bit more focused on the learning 
So mm -hmm. dropping that guard a little bit, showing your personality, smiling, making sure that the learning is fun. Because at the end of the day, if you make the learning fun, the learning will happen. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like those are some of the ways. And also getting to know the students within the morning meetings or spots during the day uh, that are not academically related. Um, the students will start opening up to you and letting you know stuff about them and their families and their lives. Um, and that way you'll start creating the relationship and also celebrating the students. That is super important. Uh, whether it's birthdays, achievements, they won the game, the basketball game over the weekend, stuff mm. like that, uh, getting to know and celebrating them will create those relationships and create ultimately a safe and nurturing environment. So if you have a teacher that's coming and, and you're giving them all of these strategies, you're telling them to do this, but they're like, my students are fine. You know, like they don't need this. I'm here to teach them. I have to teach them, you know, math. I have all of these standards and all of these um, concepts that I'm, I'm supposed to be teaching. What do you mean trauma informed? Like, how am I supposed to know if they've experienced trauma? We don't talk about what goes on at home, Right. But how can you tell a, a, a teacher or anyone really for that matter, a parent or or someone who is in close proximity to a student, how can you allow them to, or help them to understand what trauma is, right? Because there are educators who are trained to recognize signs of trauma and understand its potential impact on student behavior and student learning. But what about those teachers who have blinders on, right? They haven't had the mindset shift like you have of being trauma informed. And it's all about standard, standard concept, test, um, student out outcomes, you know, student academic achievement, all of those things. How do you tell them how to, to be able to identify trauma in a student? So I would tell that teacher first to remember why they're doing this. Um, also, not only why, but what is your angle academically with your students? Because every teacher that's more standard based is wanting mm -hmm. their students to perform. So with that being said, I would tell them, like, if you start building these relationships, if you start noticing these things within your classroom, ultimately, the performance and the standards will take care of itself because you will see that the students will be reacting more to you and will be more comfortable with you. And they'll be able to learn and demonstrate that learning throughout their work and throughout their performance. Um, and it's definitely a mind shift set. Like if you start thinking about trauma and you see disruptions within the classroom or things that happen within the classroom that are directly related to it, and you are directing or redirecting a student multiple times and the student is not learning and it's because of that there's a trauma there involved. And if you are able to create that relationship and address the trauma, the student will be comfortable enough to uh, redirect themselves ultimately. Absolutely. The one thing I, I noticed when I was in the class, when I was teaching is, first of all, students don't just come to school wanting to be bad, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a student who is misbehaving, there is some kind of need that has not been met, you know, or there's something that they're going through that they've experienced. And so what they're doing is just acting out their response mm -hmm. to that thing. And so in my classroom it was like I was like 
it is my job to figure out what this behavior is telling me because clearly with their words they haven't been able to tell me what's going on but their actions and their behavior clearly screams I've been affected by something right something at home something outside of the classroom or even maybe something in the classroom is affecting me but this student hasn't told me with their words but they told me with their behaviors and so and that's why I came with, up with the whole heal first educate always because I'm like there is no way I'm going to be able to teach with these kids acting like this and so if I don't get to the root of the problem and see what do they need healing from, like, what is it that's going on that I can help even to, now, even if I can't necessarily help about the specific problem, like what can I support them with to get through it so that I can teach, right? Because research shows building trust and connection between the educators and the students is the cornerstone of being trauma-informed. Right. You cannot be trauma informed if you don't have a relationship with the teacher or the teacher doesn't have a relationship with the student. And it helps to to make the child feel safe and connect. And then they're more likely to engage in the learning. And that's when student outcomes become affected. Right. Because if your student will engage because you've created this environment in your classroom where they're able to trust you, they're able to talk to you and they have a connection with you. It encourages them to participate, you know, to ask questions, to share their thoughts and even their experiences. And then you become even more aware of what they've experienced because now they're opening up to you. Like you said, now they're using their voice to tell you what's going on, what they need. It's, it all comes from being able to, you know, to get with somebody, even mm -hmm. if that somebody is their teacher. Like we would love for that one nurturing buffer relationship that, that students have with an adult to be their parent. Mm -hmm. But that don't always happen, mm -hmm. especially, you know, saying in areas where um, like where you teach in those areas where the parent isn't necessarily that nurturing buffer relationship that the student has. And so you're called in it's like put me in coach i have to be that person because their parent or their guardian is not that person for them and so when that happens there's so much more that comes about other than just oh i can share my feelings but there's a lot of emotional regulation that happens when you have those relationships and that that nurturing buffering learning environment that you create they're able to take risks which follows them in life right so now they're taking risks and things to where their future could become brighter because they, they're willing to do that, to take the risk. Academic achievement is going to go up. They're going to experience some sort of growth or their own personal excellence because now they're able to talk through things. They're able to participate and to engage in the learning. And then their overall emotional well-being is impacted, right? Yes. And being a, a trauma-informed teacher is not a one-size-fits-all. Like mm -hmm. everybody will be different, will have their, their own style and you can adjust it as long as you're addressing the trauma that the student has and you're able to create uh, a specific way in which you do things. Um, every teacher will have that way in which they'll do things that relates to who they are as a person. Mm -hmm. So being trauma informed, at least for me, is not a specific set way. Yes, there are strategies and yes, there are tools that you'll be able to use. But if you adjust those to who you are and what your personality is and how your classroom is run, then you should be able to address all of those behaviors and all of the things that come up during the class time. And it'll be a safe and positive environment. I love the way you said it's not one size fits all. Because what I found when I was teaching is no classroom is the same. So I had at times three different class periods, right? And so 
the way I responded to one class had to be totally different than the way I responded to another, simply yes. based on the makeup of the students, right? Like what the students mm -hmm. have experienced and stuff. And so as a trauma-informed educator, you have to always be on your toes. You're always innovating new, new strategies, new practices. And so it's difficult to say, these are the things that you should do to create a trauma-informed classroom, right? It's difficult to say, to create a learning, a nurturing learning environment, do X, Y, and Z. It's like, do a little X, but mm -hmm. then you might need to change the Y and the Z for this class period, just depending on what the students have, have been exposed to. And I think that's why it's so important to have that student teacher relationship, right? Because when you have that student teacher relationship, you can now pinpoint, this is going to trigger this student. And so I can't do that in this classroom. I remember I had, when I was, uh, supporting teachers. I had a teacher who was like, oh, my classroom is so beautiful. Like, this is a safe, nurturing environment for my students. And she was not lying. Her classroom was, you know, decked out. It was decorated. She had a lot of um, big bean bags and all these things. But there was one student who their trauma had been, they were, their face would be pushed into a bean bag when they got in trouble. And so for her, creating this, this learning, nurturing environment was I allow the students to go sit on the beanbags when they do some work or, or when they read or these, these types of things. But for this classroom where that student was in, that was a trigger for them. And so she had to switch it up. You know, and so I think that's why it's important to not only know your students, but know their experiences. And that's only going to come through communicating with them about what they've, what they've been through, what they've been exposed to. And they're not going to necessarily tell you. You got to start putting piece, puzzle pieces together, right? Because they'll give you a little bit and then you have to create this picture just based on what you see in their behavior. You know, how they uh, approach things at school, how they um, show up daily for school and then just talking to the parents or the guardians you'll be able to put together a picture of what does my student need what do they need to feel like they belong what do they need to feel like they're mastering some things in my classroom to feel like they're independent learners and they have voice choice and ownership but also what can I do to make them feel their own level of excellence and be able to thrive in this environment because that's when student outcomes become greater right that's when you see being trauma-informed I'm looking at their behavior I'm I'm acting off of their responses. I'm responding in a way that's trauma-informed, but also nurturing to them. And then I'm making sure the environment is responding to them. Because when you do that, student academic achievement has no choice but to soar. And then you're doing the thing that is your job. You're healing first and you're educating always. And so I love the fact that you said it's not one size fits all. I went into a whole long rant about it. But I really, really love <laughs> that you said that just because to me, it's just I open it when people say, this is what I do in my classroom. And that's it. Like every year I do X, Y and Z. I'm like every year you don't have the same students. How can every mm -hmm. year you do X, Y and Z? You know, and I think that that's one important thing, especially as a new teacher. Yes. That mentors and the administrators should tell new teachers like you got to feel your way through that thing once you know who your students are, you know, and stop trying to put a, a copy paste situation mm -hmm. on every class. Yes, and creating a safe and positive environment, something as simple as I had a student that if she didn't grab her spoon for her breakfast, that would throw the entire day off. Mm. So when she would come up to my room and I see that she forgot the spoon, I would have extra in my classroom. So I would give that to her and that pretty much set the day to go smoothly because one time... 
Yeah. A spoon is a game changer. Literally, because one time I did not have a spoon. It created a situation in the classroom <laughs> and it was like something simple like a spoon can completely throw off the day. And you don't yeah, think real. about stuff like that unless you've had that experience. Mm-hmm. So I saw that student who's now moved up to another grade level on the hallway without breakfast. And I stopped her like, where is your breakfast? Go get breakfast. <laughs> if not, I knew that it was going to be a situation for that teacher who's getting to know that student now. Wow. See, and that's what it's all about, being intentional. Being mm-hmm. intentional with students, you know what I'm saying? Recognizing who they are, just seeing them for the for them, right? Seeing them and their experiences mm-hmm. and knowing your students, knowing what is going to set them off, even if it's a spoon, you know? And I'm sure mm-hmm. that changed the whole, you know what I'm saying, her day because mm-hmm. if you frustrated about a spoon, how are you going to read? Exactly. And, and comprehend and analyze text and, you know, multiply two-digit numbers. How are you going to do all of that if your mind is thinking about, I don't have my spoon and I'm not eating my food like I want to eat it? It throws mm-hmm. off the day, you yeah. know? And so, first of all, that's a funny story, but <laughs> I just think that's all about being intentional. And I think I love that. I just love the fact that you were able to not only support that student that was your student last year, but now you're mm-hmm. supporting that new teacher who doesn't mm-hmm. really know yet, you know what I'm saying? And maybe they have, because school has only been in a couple of weeks. So yes. they're still in that learning space of getting to know their students and getting mm-hmm. being able to respond to them in a way that is beneficial to them. And so... I love that you're a support for, for those people. And so before I give the Through the Eyes of Trauma Takeaway, I want to know, are there any final thoughts or anything that you want to leave to educators that are listening on how to create a nurturing learning environment for students so that academic achievement uh, can thrive? Um, pretty much that each class is different. Adapt to them. Find your way. Um, be intentional about creating those relationships and developing with your students and celebrating them and the academics will work itself out will perform the students will perform for you in an academic manner if those relationships are built first thank you so much and with that i will leave you with the through the eyes of trauma takeaways in essence trauma-informed practices recognize that the emotional well-being of students is intrinsically tied to their learning outcomes by fostering trust and connection educators create a foundation for students to thrive academically emotionally and socially so you need to one find the foundations of safety understand the core principles that underpin a trauma-informed classroom in your class number two have an educator and student bond. Recognize the pivotal role of positive relationships in fostering student well-being and learning outcomes. Three, have teacher insights. Gain valuable insights from other teachers such as Samuel Velasquez and their experiences in creating a trauma-informed and a nurturing learning environment. And number four, heal first, educate always. Thank you so much, Mr. Velasquez, for joining us on this episode of Through the Eyes of Trauma. We really appreciate you being here, and we really appreciate you giving us your insights on creating a learning environment that is nurturing and buffering for your students. Thank you for having me. And if you or your organization is in need of trauma-informed practices and consulting services, please visit us at innereragency.com. That's I-N-N-E-R. E-A-R-A-G-E-N-C-Y dot com. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.